the burning tears, the bitter nights, the wasted years. Life breaks and falls apart, but we know these are places where so much. Amen. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Last week we had a great Lord's Day last week as baptisms and new family join and sweet services. I'm hoping that the Lord will meet with us again today and uh, was led of the Lord uh, last week and this week to deal with spiritual warfare. We're always in a battle whether we realize it or not and I got another thought today on the weapons of our warfare. Of course, you've been saved any length of time, you know those. You've been 
in those, studied those out, but today we're going to look at that again. Last week we dealt with our onward always warfare. We're at war with principalities and powers. Hey folks, just to remind you, it's a real thing. There is a real Satan. There is a real war going on all the time. We need to be aware of that and we need to be ready for it. Uh, Satan doesn't want Christians to live successful lives. He would love to keep us down. He would like to keep us uh, unfruitful, unproductive for him. And uh, as a church, I want us to be strong. So God has been good to us. God has been good to us individually, as families, as a church. And uh, I bless the Lord. Glory to his name. Amen. Uh, but we need to be aware that uh, we are in daily battle with Satan. And the King James Bible says devils. Uh, he has his cronies. He has his, uh, his attendants, his warriors, if you would. And I uh, just want to look in Ephesians chapter 6 and get a look at how God has equipped us for spiritual battle. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, we read these words, Finally, my brethren, okay, church, pay attention, he's talking to us. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now, we're going to read these other verses and get into these these weapons of our warfare this morning. And I hope it don't, don't view it as, oh, we've heard that before. We heard that in Sunday school. Listen, have fresh eyes. Have, have a fresh heart today to receive what God has for you before we always are battling an enemy, okay? And I want to be victorious in Christ. Now, ultimately, we're all victorious in Christ. He's won the battle for us, amen. But we have a responsibility of daily living for Jesus Christ as individuals and as Christians. So today, let's talk about the weapons of our warfare. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can get into your word and be refreshed and reminded, Lord, of what you've done for us. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the equipment that we may wage spiritual battle and help us not to be guilty, uh, Lord, of only using part of the, of the equipment. Help us, Lord, to realize how important all of this is to our individual Christian life. Lord, I think of some Christians tonight. I don't know, but maybe some that they're not even picking up their book. They're not even reading their Bible. They're, they're not praying unto you for whatever reason. Maybe they, they feel unworthy. Maybe there's some sinful thing that's going on in their heart or in their life. I, I don't know, Lord. Maybe they feel, maybe they just feel so weak. Uh, I don't know, but Lord, revive them in their spirit. Help us all to realize, Lord, this, the precious things you've given us that we may have victory in Christ for daily living. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week we talked about spiritual warfare, and uh, I'm just going to try to name some of these things that we talked about just to get our minds wrapped around this again. And of course, maybe somebody wasn't here and that they would not have heard these truths. But last week's sermon, we saw 
in spiritual warfare that we must have unity in our ranks. No fighting, no infighting between one another if we're going to have victory. We talked about sobriety in the battle, and that's waging war with a serious heart and mind. Be serious for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we talked about being skilled in our weaponry, how that we need to be proficient, especially in the two areas we focused on, and that's with the sword, that's the word, and with prayer. Prayer is so important in the Christian life. And then know our enemy's strategy, understand his tactics and his tendencies, how that he is, the, he is wily, he is tricky, and he will come at us at all sides with all he's got. Amen. Uh, we must uh, not be distracted in the fray. We dealt with that. Uh, we, we, we fight and we struggle in battle, but we have to understand, Lord, that the enemy is trying to, in his cunning way, uh, get us off guard. Help us, get us not to see uh, what's right before us sometimes, show, throwing a distraction at us. And then we must be courageous in the conflict, how that uh, through hardships and heartache, uh, the enemy's trying to get us to uh, be depressed and therefore not be engaged in spiritual warfare. Now, we left off last week, I believe it was a great illustration uh, that I read and shared with you how the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. How many of you here last week and heard that? Uh, about an Indian man who came to know Christ through a missionary's effort and how he decided to follow Jesus and, and the elders of, of the elder of that, uh, of that tribal area told him that he needed to recant his faith in Jesus Christ. But he said, no, I will not. I've decided to follow Jesus. And they threatened to, to kill his two daughters. And they did. And they also killed his wife. And then before he died, he gave the last words, no turning back, no turning back. That, that, that spoke to my heart. Uh, we're in a real battle, folks. People are coming to know Christ as Savior, but... Uh, we sit in a, in a comfortable church with comfortable pews and we're Western believers and we have so many freedoms and we've had them for so long. I, I think sometimes we're lulled to sleep with the blessings and the benefits from the hand of our God. And there are people today that are on foreign field that are, are lost. There's war for their souls and some of them come to know the Lord in Turkey and Iraq and different parts of the world, North Korea. And they were actually facing real persecution for just believing on Christ, for carrying a Bible, for going to church. And we take these things so for granted. We have an enemy and he's been successful at getting us to kind of take Christianity comfortable, casual. Amen. But I want us to remind us today that we're at war. This Lord's Day, full, pay full attention to what we ought to be engaged in, and that's the battle for faith, the battle for the gospel. Paul's instruction here again speaks of how to be victorious in spiritual battle. I'd like to know, how can I be more victorious in spiritual battle? Well, first of all, I want us to remind us that Jesus Christ, again, has already won the victory. In Colossians chapter 2, listen, verse 13, he says, And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcised of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Isn't that a great news? You know, we get down on ourselves. We, 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 uh, we beat ourselves up. 
for all our missteps and miscues. I want you to know, saying God has forgiven you all your transgressions, all, all your mess-ups. If you ask them, they can be under the blood. God will give you a free start, restart. Amen? And he goes on and says, uh, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Praise God. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Amen. And so we have to remember where we stand in Christ today. Be reminded of that. Our victory is through faith in him. But we lose faith. We lose heart with day-to-day -day living. And again, I feel like as a Western believer, we got it made. What if we were in a country that was under great persecution? What if we had to walk several miles to go to church? What if we had to give up something in order just to hear a little bit of God's word? What if, what if we had to get together as a group and go over maybe a two or three pages of the Bible and, 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 and take that in and say, boy, that was a blessing. We don't know when we'll see any part of the Bible again. That's reality today for some Christians. But we just we take this book for granted. We take our faith for granted. We take our church for granted. We take our opportunities for the Lord for granted. We have the victory. If anybody ought to wage spiritual battle today, it ought to be us. We're so blessed. We have so much opportunity. And our victory is in faith through him. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Pick up that book this year as we've encouraged the church. And read your book, read your Bible, and you will get strong in the Lord. Amen. Now, these messages the Lord's laid on my heart for us on Sunday. These are usually Sunday nighters or a Wednesday night. But I feel like Sunday morning crowd needs to have this. These are what I call pastoral preventative messages or pastoral instructional messages for us to be involved in spiritual warfare, not just to sit around and wait for the next thing to happen to us and, and cave for a while and then gather up our emotions and maybe take a few steps forward. No, God wants us to be victorious in him. And uh, so many reasons, but he wants us to be. So we have to ask ourselves, are we standing? Are we fighting in this spiritual warfare? Any standing or successful army, they always are engaged in what God is uh, what they are called to do, be soldiers. They're always in training. They're always in readiness. Aren't you glad that your forces, your, 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 those that serve in our forces are ready to fight if need be? I am. They're always preparing. They're always sharpening their skills. They're always reviewing and retraining. And they go somewhere and they play those war games. They're not games. They're reality to have them ready, ready for attack and to defend this country. They're always ready. They're strengthening their strategy for war. And if they don't, they won't be ready. But they'll be rusty, and that will not go well. Now, why are we for it in the physical realm? But we're not for it in the spiritual realm. Folks, we need to be ready for the next fight. 
And believe you me, there's going to be a fight. He'll attack you. He'll attack your faith. He'll attack your family. He'll attack your kids. He'll attack your church. You better believe he will. You know what the Satan's doing? I don't know. He, he, those, those minions of his, those devils of his, he might say, hey, don't worry about Western Christians. They're too busy with all their stuff. Let's go attack over here because we got them. I really believe that might be the case. Hey, let's talk about what God has given us to wage spiritual warfare. Uh, Brother Kevin, I hate to pick on you again. Isn't Haven important to you as a grandfather? Amen. Amen. Bob, your grandkids are important to you. Are they not? Amen. And I want us to understand something. Satan not just to ruin your kids. He'd like to take down those grandbabies. Ruin their life. Cause them not to have faith in God. I don't know about you, but I want a generation to come that love God. It's great now. I did, just this week, uh, our little Kaylee uh, got saved. We got, we got a little video from Germany, and it's Kaylee sitting there, and she's telling us how she became a, a, a believer in Jesus Christ. It's so cute. But, I mean, it filled our hearts. She's six years old. And uh, what did she say, honey? She's a what for God? She's a, she's a kid of God, she said. She said, Bubba and Grandma, I'm a kid of God. And she finally understood it and trusted. Hey, that's important to us. And don't you know that Satan would love to, to cause your grandchildren not to come to faith? Amen. You know what's on the heart of every grandparent is their children serve the Lord, love the Lord, and that they take their family to church and let them have Sunday school and hear the word of God and take them to meetings that they can get saved and go on and be servants and disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Satan wants to destroy our families, the next generation. Yes, he does. We got to fight. We got to fight. We got to take this seriously. I think I have your attention now. Amen. First of all, this morning, the enemy we fight, he's real. He's real. Now, the world doesn't want you to think he's real. They make mockery of it. You know, the cartoon little devil in the red suit and all that business. That's been going on forever and will continue to. But the enemy that we fight, saints, is real. Ephesians 6 and verse 10, we read, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We have a strong enemy. Mark tells us in chapter 14, verse 38, watch, Jesus says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. But the Lord says, be ready. Be on guard. Watch and pray. I mean, a soldier that's not ready to guard, he's not aware, he's not watching on his post is useless. Amen. The other day, I was making a visit at a hospital. And uh, I went to visit somebody. And they have all these rules and regulations, you know, when I went there. And the door opened, somebody opened the door. I'm not supposed to get in unless I press some numbers and talk to somebody and go through this person, go through this person. And I was standing there reading the sign and the numbers. And somebody walked out. And they held the door for me. And I walked in. And I walked in there. I went up to them. And it looked like, oh, yes. And I think they thought I was a doctor. I mean, I, was, I mean, 
dressed up, you know. And, Anyway, that's what I thought. And, and uh, I asked a few questions, and they could tell that I, how'd you get in here? So I walked through the door. They have all these systems and protective devices. And I just walked in. Hey, that's the enemy. We're not careful. He just walks in. Walks in our life. And we're leaving a door open. We're, we're not watchful. We're just thinking, oh, we're all right. No, 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 no. Hey, he's out to destroy you. He wants to kill you if he could, but he can't. But he'll do everything he can to kill you spiritually, make you ineffective for God. Amen. Hey, the enemy we fight, he is strong. He is cunning. And Paul writes, he says uh, in verse 10, be strong. That's an interesting word. It means in strength or be made stronger or more enabled or more capable. Uh, we, we, these people, these weight, these weight, uh, these bodybuilders, they work consistently, their diet, they, the things they take in their body so they could bring up a few more uh, ounces, maybe a pound just in competitive. But listen, spiritually speaking, how strong are we? The Bible says, be strong. We have a tendency to get strong and then we want to take a break. A vacation, stay that way. So many Christians, they grow in their first few years of faith in Christ, and then they plateau, and then they don't even stay there, they go down. Well, we're, we're fighting spiritual warfare. He says, be strong, and then he uses the word in verse 11 of Ephesians 6, stand, he says. Again, this, this is a military word. It means to be established, firm and footing. It means fixed or resolute, placed, Balanced, ready to engage in battle. How, how are we standing today? We don't, what do they say? If we don't stand for something, we're bound to fall for anything. Well, I think that's where many Christians are today spiritually. How do we then stand? How do we then receive strength for the battle? Well, first of all, there's a realization Hey, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 through 23. We're far above principalities and powers. And, and some of you say, well, what does that matter? It matters a lot. Because when you're engaged in battle, the high ground is the important ground. Folks, we're sitting in high ground. We have a good vantage point. We are, we are, God has made it so that we can be victorious. Secondly, of understanding. This means that we can be very powerful for God in God's ability. And God is so able and so strong. We look at ourselves. Don't look at yourself. I look at myself, I'm weak. I'm, uh, you know, I'm frail. I'm, but spiritually, I want to be strong in the Lord. Thirdly, by pondering. What is that? Sit and consider. To contemplate means to meditate, means to muse upon or mull over in our mind. Again, once, of, once again, we are strong in Christ, not in ourselves, strong in Christ and in the things of the Lord. I can have a good life. I can have a great marriage and a wonderful family. And thank God it can, it can be influenced upon another generation in Christ, not in myself. And I look at so many Christians today that seem to be okay with weak 
anemic Christianity. Folks, just going to church, sitting in a pre- it ain't going to get it done. It's not. Those little babies that we're teaching in the back, that's important what we're doing back there. I hope that the teachers fully understand what they're doing each and every Lord's Day is so important. And if you're involved in ministry with children out here, it's so important. But think of your own children and your own grandchildren. Say, oh, I've raised them all. You still are an important influence in their life. I hope I never fall. I pray I don't. One of the reasons... I don't want to be a byword. I don't want my kids. Well, dad threw in the towel. Dad gave up. Or any of my grandchildren. So I, I heard that my grandfather and grandmother, they used to be Christians. They, they used to go to church. They used to serve God. You say, preacher, that'll never happen. Don't you say that because I'm not any better than anybody else. And there's a, there's a real devil out there who'd like to take me down. Amen. And you too. There's an enemy. If I, if I woke you up this morning, there's an enemy that's out there. He's real. And he's powerful. And he wants to ruin you. And if you don't stay strong, how can your children and grandchildren and other people that know you, how can they... How can they have any hope or encouragement if you mess up? It's it's about faith and hope. We have an enemy that wants to take them down. The enemy, Satan, remember, is an anointed cherub. He was given a high place of charge by God, Ezekiel 28. But through pride, Lucifer or Satan fell, Isaiah chapter 14. Man, he was the anointed cherub. He was number one. Number one cherub. And boy, he fell. And how he fell. The Bible took, said he fell. He took 30 the angels with him. But you know Satan still has accents? Access? The book of Job tells us in the first three chapters that Satan comes in to God's throne room, makes accusation against the saints. I don't read in my Bible that that's ever quit. It's never stopped. One day Satan and his dark host, finally, according to Revelation 12, they'll be cast out. Praise the Lord. They'll be cast out. But right now, this is still going on. Spiritual warfare just as real today as it ever was. Satan is a deceiver. He's a destroyer. He's called Abaddon, which means destroyer. Revelation chapter 9. Again, get this in your mind. Think of your enemy today. He wants to destroy you. He goes about, or should I say slithers about, Genesis chapter 3, God put a curse on him. And then he also stalks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Which one of you is he after right now? Like the lion, Satan, you know, the lion, he looks for the weak, he looks for the elderly, he looks for the one trailing behind. He looks for the Christian is not engaged in regular worship at church or involved in a church family, don't you understand that when you do that, when you allow that, you're putting yourself in danger? Everybody knows that in the pack, in the herd, is safety. 
And but what does a lion do or a predator do? He waits for a child to wander off, a weak one to fall behind, an elderly one to get tired and weary and weak and discouraged and fall away. He's looking for the one that won't stay in the parameters, in the safety of the of the fold as a sheep. And boy, that wolf, he goes right after those. Satan is described as these. He is constant. He's methodical. Again, I remind you, spiritually speaking, but he'd, he'd love to kill you physically if he could. It's real. It's recorded in the Bible. Amen. Our warfare is spiritual. It's not physical. Remember back in the garden where, where Jesus went to pray, and in Matthew chapter 26, I think it was, they came to arrest him, and it was Peter as Malchus, he was one of the servants. Peter took out his sword. Remember that? And Malchus came forward and he cut off his ear. And the Lord reached down and picked up that ear. Put it back on his head. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been something to see? I mean, whoop. <laughs> he said, those that live by the sword, die by the sword. In other words, he's saying to Peter... Peter, the fight is not physical. Never has been physical. But Satan would love to physically kill you if he could. And he's encouraging people that know Christ to get messed up with stuff that is physically killing them. Why would he do such a thing? To keep you not fruitful, active, productive for the kingdom of God. Oh, we have so many potential soldiers that are all in this world not even realizing how they need to fall back in rank and be used of God to great capacity. We're in a fight. We have a real enemy. But I want to say this, we have a powerful God. Greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. Oh, you have so much potential. Don't always think physically. Don't always think in this realm. I want to be, I want to be successful. I want to be this. I want to be that. What about the kingdom of God? What could you do for Christ's sake, for the gospel? Amen. And he's got so many sidetracked. So many on the road of life shipwrecked. Through this and that. Because we're not taking our enemy seriously. Listen, we have an enemy. 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Yes, we have a, 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 we have a foe. Yes, he is formidable. But Jesus Christ give us the victory if we would know him better and serve him more faithfully. Amen. The enemy we fight. Second of all, the equipment we wear. In this chapter, we're given equipment. I'll break it down uh, for time's sake. But he gives us equipment. He gives us some. Uh, he says in verse 14, Stand therefore having, here's where we get, your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, take the shield of faith, which is uh, with you ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Here we're given the equipment. 
He says um, in, in chapter 4, verse 27 of Ephesians, neither give place to the devil. This word give means to grant or deliver up through coercion or bullying. In other words, we have an enemy. He knows that if he pressures us enough, he doesn't have to take anything away from us. We'll lay our weapons down. Oh, my goodness. If our enemy knows it's that easy, that it, not by much we're laying our weapons down. And then he says, neither give, don't do that, place to the devil. The word place here means a position, a quarter, an opportunity. Literally means a rock or an advantage. Again, again, the place is important. The place. In any, war, any warfare, you go to any engagement, any battle in history, and you see they look for the high ground, the best place. And the Bible says, listen, know your equipment and wear your equipment, because here's the reason. We're not to give place to the devil. We're not to just hand it over. We're not to just throw up our hands. I surrender. Lay down our weapon. We're not to give him the high ground, the advantage in our life. It's too important. And listen, if we're not wearing the equipment, what kind of chance do we have? We, we have our premier soldiers, the, the Marines. We have the, we have the Delta Force. We have the, I don't know if they have Green Berets, or, but they have these, uh, these trained forces, and they're given the proper equipment and the proper training and the proper weapons. But if they don't use them, and spiritually speaking, so many people are giving up the high ground in their life because they're, they're relinquishing, they're handing it over, they're giving up. Spiritual warfare is important. But here's the first thing. It's so simple. We miss it. Put it on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That meaning if you don't put it on, you can't stand against the wiles of the devil. Amen. The armor is for protection. The armor is for, is for war. It's, it's for aggression, if you would. We always think, I think sometimes we're always thinking about how to defend ourselves. But spiritual warfare is not just always defending ourselves. It's making attack. It, it's, it's, being, it's getting to the high ground and keeping that high ground, spiritually speaking. Our armor is broken down so simple. He says we're girt about with truth. Satan's a liar, so he's against all truth. But truth is so important. What comes out of our mouth? Is it truth? Truth is a weapon. Amen. Tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And it seems like today it's easier not to tell the truth than to tell the truth. And then righteousness. We're given the armor, the breastplate of right. What's that all about? The breastplate it has to do with, it has to do with, um, the, 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 the uh, essential vital organs, the heart, the lungs, the enemy will attack there. He, he, he talks about the truth being loined about. The loins have to do with the middle, the core of us. Truth on the inward part, deep within us. Truth. And then righteousness. 
right living, clean living, righteous living. God wants us to live righteously in an unrighteous world. What about that? Oh, my goodness. And then he uses just a simple term. He says that we're, our feet are shod with the, the preparation of peace. Here it is. So we are at peace. How many people you know that truly walk in peace today? People are so messed up. Concerned about this and concerned about that. Overcome with this worry and that. We just preached on worry for a few Sunday nights. Worry, fretfulness, full of fret. But God wants us to be at peace with him, with one another. This is, this is equipment. Peace that passes all understanding. Faith. Faith, the shield of faith. And what does that mean? That means complete confidence in trusting God. In this life, how many people, and that, don't take time, but think about this. How many people do you have trust in? I'll tell you, there are not many if you think about it. Think about how many people you have complete confidence in. Yet we'll put confidence in certain people. God wants us to put our trust, our faith, our confidence in Him. In Him. We're weak in truth. We're weak in righteousness, church. We're weak in peace. We're weak in faith. And these are the things that are to protect us. And then he talks about the helmet of salvation. I don't know. I'm assuming most, if not all, are saved today. I hope so. You never know. But the helmet of salvation, that has to do protection of our mind, our thinking, our reasoning. First Thessalonians 5.8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. God wants us to think and reason in our salvation. You know, lost people, they, do not, they don't reason right. They don't know they don't reason right. The natural man receiving not the things of the Spirit. They don't get us. And quite frankly, they shouldn't. But far too many times they look at the average Christian today and they're the same as them. Boy, if the world could see a real Christian, <laughs> well, it'd, make a, it'd make a difference. Amen. Again, this, this, not today, maybe later today. Think about how many real Christians you know. Now, don't think, oh, I know a bunch. You, you might be like, you might be like, Lord, I'll spare the city if, if I can find 40 righteous people. How about 30? How, how about 10, Lord? I mean, real Christians. Real Christians. I want people to look at me as a real Christian, but I'll tell you what, this boy has weakness of the flesh and faith at times. How about you? We're in a war. Thirdly, not only we see the enemy of our fight in the equipment that we wear, but the energy we must use. Armor and weaponry are not sufficient. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Hey, Christian, if you don't pray, you are very vulnerable. 
You can put on all this other equipment, but the armor and the weaponry are not sufficient in and of themselves. You have to be engaged yourself in spiritual battle. Oh, my goodness. Again, what good does it do to have all the training and all the equipment and all the strength and pour it into, into our fighting forces, and then they don't use a bit of it? I remember my pastor teaching me years ago about my devotional life. And he'd, he'd say, you know, you got to get up early in the morning and get in God's word and pray and do all that stuff because you got a day ahead of you. And he said, it's like somebody waiting until the end of the day, putting all their armor on and climbing into bed and say, okay, I'm going to sleep. What good is that? You're, you're in the bed. Get up in the morning, have your walk with God, have prayer so you can fight during the day the spiritual battles that will come in your mind and to your heart, the influences that will be all around. Amen. Makes sense, Right. Well, then how many Christians? These, this equipment. And then after that, no equipment and no energy. No desire to fight. Jesus told his own disciples, watch and pray. And when did he tell them that? Right after they all fell asleep. You see, he said that to them when he, I'm going to go over here and pray. And while I'm away, I want you guys to, you know, pray with me. And they went away and they, in about an hour they all fell asleep, and the Lord came back and said, what is this? Could you not watch, what, one hour? And he said, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. And he went away the second time, and they had to be Baptists. Because he went and prayed again, and he came back, and what were those Baptists doing? Like some of you right now, you're falling asleep. This sermon is not, it's not tripped your trigger. I can see that already. You're sleeping. Soldiers got to have their equipment on. They got to have some energy about them. Amen. There's certain things that you and I are responsible to do. God is not going to give you a spiritual walk by osmosis. I'm just going to wake up and God's going to pour all this in. No, he's not. You're supposed to watch and pray. You're supposed to study to show yourself approved unto God. You are supposed to live the Christian life. But I go to church, big deal. The cults go to church. There's all kinds of worship places. Hey, they're banging drums, they're having services, they're washing feet, they're some preacher hacking away. Man, they're having church. You can have church, you can have religion. But what we lack today is the power thereof. There's no energy. Prayer. Watch and pray. Strong prayer is the secret. The secret to victorious Christian life. Overcoming. We have three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Overcoming this world's hard. How many would agree this world's influence is, is formidable? Amen. And you know what's worse in the world? My stinking flesh and yours. We want to believe everything on the devil. The devil doesn't do. I don't know if he does a third. If we're looking at third, third of the world, he doesn't do as much as we think he does. It's us. And that's why they said, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Oh my goodness. So strong prayer works. Prayer, 
Not just for ourselves, although we ought to pray for ourselves, but pray for our fellow soldiers. I got a text this morning from Brother Hector, and Brother Hector said, the Lord gave me a message last night to preach, and he said, I'll pray for you, Pastor Brown, please pray for me. So I prayed for my friend. You know, it's important that you pray for me, and I pray for you. Prayer's important. We got all this stuff here, this stuff we need to put on, and he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Prayer is so important, church. The enemy we fight, the equipment that we're to use, the energy that we must use. And here's this one. This is important. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. The embassage, ambassage, excuse me, we represent. That's just another word for being ambassadors. I'm to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, a context. Chapter 6 and verse 20, For I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. An ambassador is a representative, a, a messenger, a mouthpiece, an ambassador, an envoy, a spokesman, an ambassador, he says, in bonds. That's a strange statement. Paul used it because he knew what it was to be incarcerated for the cause of Christ. Paul knew what it was to take a beating and be chained and to be watched for simply knowing Christ. Again, look beyond Western religion. Look beyond Western church, Western Christianity, at people right now in this world that are suffering because they believed on Christ, because they read the Bible, because they have their family follow them. I think we forget that there are many, many Christians in this world suffering for Jesus. I don't suffer much. Do you suffer much? I don't suffer much. Occasionally, somebody will mock my faith. Occasionally, as I knock on the door, somebody will ridicule me, make fun of me. Oh, I'll tell you what. The world's really not my problem. They can influence me, and they do. But it's me. It's me. How about you? Is it you? Does the devil say to his devils, hey, don't worry about Steve Brown. He's, he's nothing. Okay. I'm supposed to be an ambassador. I'm supposed to represent... God, Jesus Christ, the gospel, me. Sometimes I feel so inadequate. Anybody with me? You feel inadequate? You feel like so weak? You feel like, man, and I'll be honest with you, ever since I've been called to preach, I feel like, why me? Why me? I'm like, I'm the least. But I want to say something to you, Saint, and I'm going to wrap this up. You're important to God. If you weren't important to God, He wouldn't have gifted you. And the Bible says we're all given gifts. Severally as He wills. And the sad part is so many Christians are not even using their gifts, don't even know what they are, and if they know what they are, they're helping the other side. You know what that's called? What is that called? A traitor. 
And sometimes in my life, I'm a stinking traitor and not even realize it. Because the world and the flesh and the devil, they got me wrapped up when I'm supposed to be waging spiritual warfare. I'm supposed to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Lastly, the ending thought. And I like this. Look at verse 23. In all this, there's words of encouragement. In chapter 6 and verse 23, what do we read, saints? Peace be to the brethren and love with faith for God the, from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul closes his letter to these Ephesians, giving them some information he thought they needed. There was some simple stuff in these last few verses. He talks about Tychicus. He's the, he's the fellow minister of Paul, and he, he's reporting on the work that he's doing in Paul's absence. And then he tells them, listen, the report brought comfort to Paul's heart. And that was good news. It's like sometimes you talk about the work, and somebody says, well, it's glad to hear that Parkview's doing well. It, the kids that used to go here, missionaries and preachers that are out, they'll say, how's things going at church? I say, oh, man, it's going good. I think it's as best as it's ever been. And they'll say, man, that's great to hear. That's good news. Amen? It's comforting. That's what, that's what we're reading here. There's comfort. There's a report. The last truth is this. Paul writes about Peace be to the brethren in love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus. I want to remind you something as we conclude today. God loves you. He, he wants to give you peace. And this is so important. In grace. Grace. Grace is that thing we don't deserve. But God's got a bucket load of it. He's got more than we could ever imagine to bestow upon us. And he even knows that we've been given all these weapons. He knows we're not using them. He knows we're not engaged in a battle. He knows we're laying down our sword. He knows that all about us. But at the end, he's still, hey, I want you to know I love you. And I want you to know I got some peace for you. And I got an extra measure of grace. Oh, you know what? It ought to make us just say, oh, God is too good to me. But not slink off and say, oh, well, I'll just keep living the way I'm living. It ought to just put a skip in our step and say, but we got a great God. I'm going to do better. I'm going to serve the Lord with all my I'm going to change some things in my life. Would to God that would happen. So, because what good is an army that doesn't fight? What good is an army that doesn't use its equipment? How do we glorify God with that? He's given us so much. Amen? I'll close with this. I'm gonna, I wrote this down so I could say it in this manner. Dear brethren of Parkview Baptist Church, writing you a letter. May we always be at our post, faithful to the task defending the faith once delivered unto us. Somebody handed it down to you. May we be diligent and stay prepared for the battle ahead of daily living. May we be waging the good fight of faith for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're unfit soldiers, unprepared, unengaged, 
AWOL. For you people that don't know what that means, it means absent from one's post without intent to desert. We don't intend to desert, but we do. We're AWOL. By the way, are you AWOL in witnessing? Are you absent in trying to do anything for God? You just, are you just a lump on a log? Are you absent in personal evangelism? Think about that. But if we are unfit soldiers, unprepared, unaway, AWOL, absent from our post, do we actually think that that honors our God? I think we already know the answer. The weapons of our warfare. We got them. Mark, we got them. What are we doing with them? Just a reminder, we have a real enemy. And all God's people said, Amen. But where's the energy? Where's the enthusiasm? Where's the desire maybe we once had? Amen? If I could, if I could get a big dose of enthusiasm, and I could just put it right in that heart of yours. I can't, but God can. Are you discouraged? Are you down? Are you defeated? Are you more fretful than faithful? Then you're a candidate for the last admonition. God loves you. I'll give you my peace. And he says, I got some extra grace for you. Amen? Let's bow our heads.